Hey there, hope you are doing well wherever you are located in the world. Thanks for tuning in. I'm hopping in really quick before today's episode to let you know a little bit more about the upcoming 2021 Hormone Summit. So I've been teasing this a little bit over the past few weeks here on the podcast, but now I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into the summit. So if you've been around for a while, you may have heard the 2020 Hormone Summit, the 2019 Hormone Summit, can't believe we are already on year three. And honestly, every year it keeps getting better and better. And this year I'm just floored by the caliber of guests that we have on. It's just really, you know, the experts that are in the their particular field of hormone or gut um, or even, you know, other forms of health, but it all kind of can come back to hormone health, of course. And it's, it's amazing. I'm already doing some of the interviews and they are going to blow your mind. And I'm, you know, even more excited because this information is going to be free for you guys. It's going to be a week free of hormone summits. And now I understand you have a lot of summits to choose from these days. I've been on quite a few myself this year. And I think what makes my summit a little bit different than a lot of the ones out there is I really curate it in order to have each day be a theme and that it builds on itself and really works together as you make your way throughout the week. I'm very particular about the people that I invite to be on the summit. As I mentioned, they are really the experts in their field. And I'm so grateful that they're sharing this information. And honestly, it's stuff that you're not going to find elsewhere, all together in one place. So again, it will be a free summit from uh, September 20th, the week of September 20th. If you want to go ahead and sign up, you can do so on my website, christinegarvin.com. At the very top, you'll see a little a bar that says, you know, sign up for the 2021 Hormone Summit. It's really easy. When you get to the page to sign up, just make sure you mark 2021 Hormone Summit. And one of the interviews that I've actually did this week was on long COVID. So I'm not going to tell you who yet, who that was with, but it's a practitioner that has been dealing with long COVID. And it's fascinating to learn how this has impacted people that, you know, are extremely healthy and then also what to do about it, right? Because there are lots of support systems that are necessary when it comes to long COVID and those overlap with a lot of other chronic illnesses out there. So whether you, you know, have dealt with COVID, have not dealt with COVID, but know somebody with chronic illness, you yourself have chronic illness, this is going to be a super impactful episode for you. And I'm excited for you to hear it. Another interview I did this week was on a form of therapy that is similar in some ways to pelvic floor therapy, but like takes it to the next level. And I was so excited during this interview that I'm actually going to go see a practitioner really soon to get this done. Um, It's pretty life-changing for women with chronic pelvic pain, endometriosis, fibroids, etc. So you're going to want to tune into that one too. So lots of other stuff is coming your way in the Hormone Summit. I'll tell you more about that as the weeks go on. There's also going to be bonuses available 
in certain levels um, of the offerings for the summit. So I'll tell you more about that soon. And there's going to be giveaways too. So I'm always excited to um, you know pair up with companies that are doing offering good products that support your hormone health and giving that you know over to you guys. So. On that note, I'm going to bring another episode back out from the archives of the 2021 Hormone Summit that is all about fertility. And this episode was so fun because Dr. Cleopatra, who's the guest, is just, she's so bubbly and gorgeous and knowledgeable. I mean, she's the total package. And she tells, you know, her story of having three children later in life and how it can happen, you know, no matter uh, maybe what your doctors told you. So she talks all about how to go, you know, forward with fertility, if even if you struggled a lot with it, even if you're in your mid 40s. So if fertility is your issue, today's episode is really going to be impactful for you. And I wanted to bring this episode out because, you know, we just have had so much great information on this Hormone Summit, and it's really going to just take us into the next year. <laughs> so excited for you guys to hear it all. Anyways, um, I will have a couple of other new episodes of the podcast coming out over the next couple of weeks, some really interesting stuff. So stay tuned for that. Don't forget to sign up for the 2021 Hormone Summit at christinegarvin.com. And then also, I forget to ask this a lot, but if you listen to the podcast, I really, really appreciate if you have left a review or if you have time to leave a review today because it is really, you know, such, it has such an impact on the podcast getting out to the world. This is a labor of love. I'm not making any money doing this and I love doing it, but I really want it to get out to more people. So if you're on iTunes, if you can leave a review, I have, you have my undying gratitude. So, all right, enough with all of that. Let's hop into today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Hormone Summit for 2020. Excited to have you here all this week and excited for you to be here today in particular because we're talking about something that I haven't really talked about on the podcast and yet I get a lot of questions about and that is fertility, right? I mean, this is at base such an important thing for women whether they want to get pregnant or whether they don't want to get pregnant, you know, in their cycling life, it's obviously a big deal. And so I have an expert for you today that we're going to cover all things fertility. So excited. Her name is Dr. Cleopatra, and she's the fertility strategist and executive director of the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. 
She is a scientist and university professor who pioneered <laughs> the field of fertility biohacking and creating super babies. To date, Dr. Cleopatra has scientifically studied tens of thousands of women and families and has helped women in 19 countries on six continents have their super babies. She has received nearly $3 million in grant funding from multiple arms of the National Institutes of Health, the National Science Foundation, the National Institute on Standards Technology, and private foundations, including the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Dr. Cleopatra has been cited in over 1,000 scientific studies in the past five years alone, and let me tell you guys, that's amazing, and is a selected member of the Fulbright Specialist roster. Dr. Cleopatra is the author of the forthcoming book detailing her revolutionary at-home conceiving system, The Primester Protocol. Dr. Cleopatra teaches women to use the primester, the magical and powerful window of opportunity before pregnancy when we literally have the power to change the quality and expression of the genes that we pass down to our babies and grandbabies to create their super babies. Using the science-driven, big-hearted primester protocol developed and refined by Dr. Cleopatra over the past 24 years, in combination with the cutting-edge process of fertility epigenetic tailoring, the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute supports women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s to reverse reproductive aging, get pregnant quickly and easily, reduce miscarriage risk, and finally have the super baby that they have been dreaming of for as long as they can remember. Dr. Cleopatra and her husband, Jair, have three super babies who were conceived on the first try using the Primester Protocol and born in March, all three of them, right before Dr. Cleopatra's 35th, 37th, and 40th birthdays. Welcome, Dr. Cleopatra. I'm so excited to be here, Christine. Oh, oh my God. I'm just reading that bio. I'm just like blown away, right? Because this is such, fertility is such an issue for so many women these days. Um, and I think so many women lose hope or think that there's only one way that they can actually get pregnant after they haven't naturally, you know, naturally gotten pregnant. And so we're going to dive into all kinds of questions around that, but I'm curious first how you got into this work to start. Ah, Christine, I started this work informally so early in my life, which is why now having just turned 42, I've formally been doing this work for more than half of my life. Amazing. I lost my mother at birth and my beautiful mother was only 27 years old. Wow. And she, she died in childbirth. And obviously that experience shaped me in profound ways. But one of the most important things about it was that it taught me in such an intense and uh, intimate way, how painful it is when reproduction doesn't go well. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful and blessed to be able to say that I now have the experience of what it's like when reproduction goes so well and mm. how beautiful and magical that is. But even as a young child, I had an understanding that that there must be something that we can do. And I was mm. so determined to figure out what that thing was. And I really just started to become a scientist even before I actually knew what a scientist was or what research was. And I just paid really close attention and started to develop my own theories and understanding. And I turned 18 and literally a month later, I started college at the University of Miami and I went into a research laboratory 
where I started studying fertility and pregnancy and wow. developing what is now called the Primester Protocol. For a long time, we called it In Bloom. Hmm. And it I identified this time before, leading up to conception before pregnancy occurs, the Primester, and it's the 120 plus days before hmm. conception when we have the power to literally shape the expression of the genes that we pass down to our babies and our grandbabies. This is through a process called epigenetics. And we know that epigenetic inheritance passes across at least two generations. We think probably even more than that, but to date we have strong data for two generations. So that means that when you are primestering, you are setting both your children and grandchildren up for incredible success epigenetically and otherwise, but you're also really igniting your fertility. Mm -hmm. So that's how this work began. I love that. And I love thinking about, you know, I've heard that in terms of t you can go two generations back. Like I existed in my grandma's, you know, when she was yeah. pregnant with, with my mom and not only, you know, setting up, your own body in your own life to be maybe healthier than what came before you, but helping to break maybe some of those old bonds, right? And break some of the, the old trauma and all of that kind of stuff, which we know epigenetically is passed down too, right? Absolutely, 100%. So when we, we talk, we teach a lot about intergenerational stress and intergenerational trauma and how that leaves a, a blueprint or in, an imprint in our DNA, mm -hmm. how it leaves epigenetic tags that can get passed down from one generation to the next, but also intergenerational bliss, the good things. Mm -hmm. And that's the stuff that we really want to enhance. Mm -hmm. And we really want to try to intercept those patterns of intergenerational stress and trauma. So obviously it was an incredible trauma being born as my mother's heart was stopping, mm. right? I mean, there has to be an imprint of that in my, not just in my soul, but in my body, in my DNA. Mm -hmm. My husband lost his father in a very tragic way, very early in life also. And even going back, my husband is the descendant of slaves. You know, yeah. we, we all come from, all down, yeah. he's part Jewish. I, and I don't know if his ancestors were experienced the Holocaust, but for people who do actually there's, there has been powerful epigenetic research on survivors of, of the Holocaust and their, their children and grandchildren, all of these things leave their imprint, but that doesn't mean that it has to continue across generations. And we can be the, the, the moment where that is intercepted. And that's one of the things that we work on doing in the primester. And it doesn't even have to be that extreme, like losing your a parent or having experienced slavery in your lineage or the Holocaust in your lineage. It, it could be, it could be childhood abuse. It mm -hmm. could be low self-esteem. It, it could be sexual assault. It could be any number of things. And we all experience stress and trauma. And we want to intercept those processes, both for our own health and fertility and longevity, which are closely tied to one another. By the way, most people don't know fertility and longevity are closely tied to one another. Mm. But also for our babies and our grandbabies, I look at I might start crying as I say this. I, I, don't know. <laughs> I look at my, my three super babies and 
just how amazing they are. And I, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty awesome, but they are way more amazing <laughs> every day than I will ever be. And I know that I did that with yeah. the work that I put in. And my husband did that with the work that he put in. And our middle baby is starting kindergarten. And he was, my husband was filling out forms and one of, for her, her class. And one of them was asking about any, any, major life events in your child's life that they should know about any stresses, stressors or traumas. And my husband was reading it out loud and he's like, stress-free childhood. And in that moment, I stopped and I was like, oh my God, I am sure that my children are the first human beings in my entire lineage where it was possible to say that. And I am so thankful for that. You know, I started doing this work for other people, not for myself, Mm -hmm. uh, because one of the ways I survived my childhood was that I was much more interested in and curious about other people's pain than my own pain. Mm. And that was a a lifesaver for me. Right. right. So, so, so much. And so it gave me so much purpose and meaning in my life and in my, in my experiences. And so I started doing this work for other people, but the beautiful thing is that I benefited so much mm-hmm. from it and my babies and I'm confident all the generations to come will benefit so much from it. And I just feel, you know, such incredible gratitude for that. Right. And I mean, you know, obviously we don't know all times in history and exactly how things were, but in a lot of ways, this may be the first time in history that this can happen, right? That all of the yeah. things that you just said can happen. We have the um, the knowledge if we're willing to kind of dive in and, and figure it out and, um, you know, the availability and the understanding to be able to kind of take our own health into our control and therefore, you know, our, the health of our children that are coming from us. And, and I'm really glad you brought up that fertility connection because, you know, there is such a struggle, I think, right now with so many women with fertility issues, and they just don't quite understand why, you know? Um, so what are some of the reasons, you know, let's start with maybe like women in their 20s that mm-hmm. come to you, you know, what are some of the big reasons that they have, are having fertility issues? such an important question. So the first thing I want to say is that there are very few human beings in the world who are truly sterile or infertile. Mm. So if you have been struggling to get pregnant, if you've, even if you've been diagnosed with quote unquote infertility, I want you to know that chances are you are not infertile truly. And so we don't even use the word infertile or Mm -hmm. infertility at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, because we know that that actually applies to very few human beings in the world. In fact, think about it. It applies to very few animals in the world. There are very few animals that cannot or who cannot reproduce. Right. And that the same is true for human beings. In science, we look at something called involuntary childlessness. Mm. This is the percentage of married couples between the ages of 15 and 49. And I know that range will sound crazy to those of us living in the Western world. But remember, this is an indicator that's measured all over the world. Mm -hmm. And in different places in the world, there are different standards and norms around Mm -hmm. when it is is an appropriate time to get married. So this is a measure of couples between the ages of 15 and 49 who want to have children 
but do not have them. So they don't have children and it's not voluntary, mm -hmm. involuntary childlessness. And this number is about 3%. And we think that this number is what much more closely approximates true sterility or true infertility in human beings. It may even be a little bit lower than that. Mm -hmm. It may be as low as 2% or 1.9%. And so it's really important to know this because I think one thing that happens when people get a diagnosis of infertility, just like a diagnosis of depression or anxiety mm -hmm. or something, that it, it, it's so hard to not become so identified Absolutely. with that diagnosis that it, it can rule people's lives and what they believe to be possible for themselves or for their body. So one of the first things is to know that more than likely this diagnosis has nothing to do with you. And you just need to think of it as a necessary evil of the medical system, the healthcare system, where we need to be able to label something in order to look into it more, in order to mobilize resources for testing, treatment, etc. For mm -hmm. most people, if you're having difficulty getting pregnant, you're experiencing conditions of subfertility, and this can be resolved, especially when you look at fertility in the way that we do at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, which is to look at fertility as a complex network. Mm -hmm. Think about the neural network in the brain. It's the same thing. It's not something located in the uterus or the ovaries or even just in the hormones. Right. It involves all of us mm -hmm. as a person, all of us in terms of our life and if we're in a in a partnership how we come together etc so that's the first thing that i want people to know mm -hmm. so the interesting thing is that experiencing fertility challenges in your 20s and 30s and 40s can be really different and so for people who are experiencing fertility challenges in their 20s more than likely they are experiencing conditions of ovulatory disorders in many cases. So things like polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. And then the other really common causes of fertility challenges that can begin as early as the 20s are endometriosis, fibroids, which I know is your ultimate zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and underlying a lot of those conditions are, are issues having to do with digestion, which we think of as the mother of fertility, the mother of the fertility system, also blood sugar regulation and insulin. So, so in, in your twenties, now this can happen in your thirties and forties too. And mm -hmm. especially if you, you're starting to experience this in your twenties, if you're not taking actions to intercept it, it's probably going to become exacerbated with age because these things often do become exacerbated with age, but you don't need to be older to be experiencing these kinds of fertility challenges. Right, right. A, a lot of the fertility challenges that we see in the 30s and 40s have to do with, with age. And so here's, here's the thing that I wanna say about age. Age is the strongest predictor of fertility challenges, but it gets blown out of proportion mm -hmm. because guess what? Age is also the strongest predictor of cancer. Right. It's also the strongest predictor of heart disease. It's also the strongest predictor of stroke 
and so many other things. And you don't believe that just because you're getting older, you're going to get cancer or just because you're getting older, you're going to get heart disease. I don't believe that. So, so I want to put that into perspective for people. And I think that the issue with age is that not only are there true declines in fertility with age and I, and I, and I don't want to ignore that. We have to, mm-hmm. you know, we have to have mm-hmm. our feet planted on the ground, right? Yeah. But in addition to that, this, the societal messages and stereotypes and beliefs also contribute yes. to making mm-hmm. it harder for people mm-hmm. to get pregnant with age because the belief is that I'm going to be a geriatric pregnancy. It's going to be yeah. harder. I'm, my body is, is starting to fail me, whatever it may be. Don't count on being able to get pregnant. Don't count on being fertile. I just turned 42. I, you know, my children range in age from seven to two. And I, you know, I just had, I monitor my fertility very closely. I have a personal challenge to myself to stay fertile until I'm 50. Oh, I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I I just, I just want to see that I can. And I just want to see what's possible Mm -hmm. when you know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And I just tested my hormones. First of all, my cycle is the same cycle that I had in my twenties. Nice. And I just tested my hormones. I'm like, look how beautiful these hormones yeah. are. Yeah. It doesn't have to be yeah. that just because you're getting older or you're farther along in your reproductive span, as I call it, mm-hmm. the, the time, the period within which you can have biological children, that it's going to be difficult to get pregnant or stay pregnant. It doesn't have to be that way, especially if you start primestering early, mm-hmm. primestering in advance of going into your conception phase. And we see a dose response relationship of primestering, meaning the longer you primester, the e- even better for your fertility and for your, your children's outcomes and your, I'm sure your grandchildren's as well. Mm-hmm. And so, so what that means is if you know that you don't want to have children for five years or 10 years, still learn about primestering because you're learning about how to biohack your biological mm-hmm. clock and extend it for as long as possible. And And in the process, you're monitoring your fertility very, very, you're learning how to identify your fertile window with the most perfect precision humanly possible without ultrasound. The the piece of the primester protocol that does that is called the get pregnant in no time formula. Mm -hmm. And it's the piece that I use to time the birth of my children so that all of my children are born in March. Oh, that's how that happens. And and that's what you can do when you have yeah, so that you, so you, when you have those tools on your side, it's possible to be that precise, especially if your fertility is super ignited. So it's working for you, and it's working yeah. according, according to your plan. And so if you you're learning about primestering, and even if you're only implementing eighty twenty mm-hmm. that far out, mm-hmm. and as you get closer, you get to ninety, you get to ninety five, you get to a hundred. We never we never really ask people to strive for a hundred because we don't want perfection that we right. don't want people. We're to humans. Struggle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I was thinking too, as you were talking, not only, you know, can you like, well, first of all, I know for so long, I remember hearing that age 35, like once you hit 35, it's all, it's all downhill from there. You're, you know, 
And, you know, while there is reality of hormones starting to change, there is so much that you can do. And, you know, I'm coming from the perspective of having had a fibroid and having that removed and everything that went wrong after that, but then being able to regulate my, you know, my cycle again to where it's what it was like when I was 30, essentially, you know, and now I'm almost 42, right? And so it is absolutely, you know, for fertility, for dealing with ovarian cysts, for uh, fibroids, all of these different things, there is, there's always hope and there's always so much that you can do, you know, it's just, we're, we're not taught that. Yes. We're not taught that. And we do really do a disservice because we're not directly taught a whole lot about our cycles and our fertility and everything that we are taught, we are sort of taught through absorption. Mm-hmm. We're hearing these messages circling mm-hmm. around. Nobody's really interpreting them for us or explaining yeah. the nuances of them and the exceptions to them. Right. And so what happens is what we what we've been absorbing are two really competing messages about our fertility. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it's like 30 if once you hit 35, like you're over the hill yeah. where fertility is concerned. And you're going to, you probably won't get pregnant. And if you do, you're going to be an old mom and all of those Mm -hmm. things. And then the other end of that spectrum is what I call blind fertility syndrome, which is that we're taught to just focus on all the things that are quote unquote um, important in life, our education, picking our major, getting the right jobs, moving up in our career, meeting Mm -hmm. the right person, getting a house, being financially stable. And then when we've done all that, which by the way, gets harder and harder and takes longer and longer because, yeah. because the standards are ever increasing and completely unreasonable. Yeah, absolutely. And so do all those things and when, and don't even think about your fertility except to make sure that you don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then when you're, when you wake up one day and decide that you're ready to have a baby, you can just blindly expect that your fertility will be there for you. And it is super painful. And Mm. that's really an understatement. That's Mm -hmm. putting it really nicely, actually, for women, especially, but for for men too, Mm -hmm. for all people, to wake up one day and realize that that actually isn't the case. And so these, this is this is, these are the two opposing messages that we're learning Yeah, and neither of them is helpful. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, t- can you talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, the different aspects of the trimester? You talked definitely about the trauma connection, but what are, what else goes into it? Yes. I'd love to. So th- I love talking about this. So, <laughs> We represent the fertility system as the fertility triangle or fertility pyramid. Mm-hmm. If you, you can imagine like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. that pyramid or the food pyramid. Mm-hmm. And so within the fertility pyramid, there are five levels. The bottom is the psychosexual level, mm-hmm. then bioecological having to do with biology and the ecological context then neuroimmunology, which has to do with the brain and the immune system, Mm -hmm. and then the social and cultural levels. And actually what we talked about in terms of intergenerational stress and trauma, but also the good stuff, intergenerational bliss, that's at the cultural level. Mm, And 
what what I think is most important to recognize first and foremost about the fertility pyramid and your fertility system is that most approaches to the biological clock and fertility don't include most right. of these levels. Right. <laughs> mostly not. they include the bioecological level, right. mostly. And the other thing to recognize about the fertility pyramid, which I think is so profoundly important, is that you cannot outsource it. Mm. You cannot outsource it. Even if you are planning to use IVF or some other form right. of assistive reproductive technology, there is nobody who can do that work for you. Right. It is your work to do in the trimester and then to come into IVF having done that work. Let me give you a concrete example of this. So uh, there's this false belief that IVF can fix everything. Right. And IVF is amazing. It can do a lot. I think it's awesome that I was born the year the first IVF baby was born. Like that just seems oh, to really? be that's <laughs> yeah. perfect. Yeah, you're like, 19, yeah. 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 It was meant all around meant to be in 1978. And the, the reality is that IVF is amazing and I, I'm, I feel so much appreciation that this tool exists and I see how it changes lives. And IVF cannot address underlying root causes right. of what's going on. It can at best circumvent them. So it, let's take the example of egg quality and sperm quality, which combine to produce embryo health. So you, you go into IVF and let's say you, you didn't trimester mm -hmm. and you come to IVF and you have a bunch of eggs collected and you're really excited because your eggs are plentiful and then the eggs are fertilized with the sperm and then the ones that do make it to the five-day blastocyst stage and then are tested for chromosomal abnormalities, all, nearly all of them or all of them are, have, are found to be chromosomally abnormal. The only thing that IVF can do is number one, do the testing right, and to, to find out which ones are chromosomally normal and which ones are chromosomally abnormal, and then only transfer embryos that are chromosomally normal. But if you don't get any chromosomally right. healthy embryos to begin with, there's nothing to transfer. And so that is a prime example. It's just one of many, but it's one that many people can conceptualize mm -hmm. that it's a prime example of how the work in the trimester is still yours because that's the window within which you have the greatest potential for influencing egg quality and sperm quality, which will combine to create the health of your embryos. Mm -hmm. And obviously mm -hmm. if you're conceiving naturally, this is as relevant. Right, right. Well, I'm glad you made that point because there are so many women that are doing IVF these days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I've had several friends go through it and I, I know, you know, what the process is like. And there is so much of a focus on, I mean, this, you got to do all the hormones and all that stuff beforehand, right? And, but there's never talk about supporting your yeah. body, right? Which yeah. is creating, no matter what, it's creating the egg that, you know, the follicles becoming the egg that is going to get fertilized. Yeah. Exactly. And the egg mature, the follicle and egg maturation process is such that 
you need at least 120 days to influence the late stages of maturation that will produce that the mm-hmm. quality of that mm-hmm. egg. That's one of the reasons why the trimester is a minimum of 120 days. There are other yes. reasons why, but that's one of them. A similar process happens with sperm quality, although sperm production happens about every 72 days. It varies. There's a okay. bit of a window, but it's about every 72 days. So that that's a really, really important point that, mm-hmm. you know, we hear a lot about how we're born with all the eggs that we're ever going to have. Yeah. You know, in fact, by the time we're born, we've already lost a bunch right. of eggs. Right. That's what people and, talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and so we hear that. But, and so we think that that is predetermined. Right. And it's true. We, we, we have all the eggs that we're going to have as options for releasing mm-hmm. in our lifetime when we're born, but what is malleable and what is an epigenetic process Mm -hmm. that we can influence and shape is egg quality. Mm -hmm. So that is not predetermined for us. And just because there have been issues with egg quality or embryo health in the past, Mm -hmm. as indicated by difficulty getting pregnant, difficulty staying pregnant, Mm -hmm. other adverse pregnancy outcomes, doesn't mean it has to continue to be that way. And it's Mm. really, really important to know that. And I I know it's very difficult when you've had really traumatic experiences surrounding your own fertility to have belief in in it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In your body and in what's possible for you. And yet I always say, if you have not addressed your full fertility system, your full fertility pyramid, there is still hope for you. Mm-hmm. We, we've worked with women up to the age of 47 Oh wow! to date, but we now have our first 49 year old. We're so exciting. We have no precedent for, yeah. we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. We do see some evidence that there's a chance, which is mm-hmm. why we agreed to take her on in the first place. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not here selling pipe dreams or anything like right. that. If, if we, if she was, if she were already in menopause, then obviously, we say, yeah, we can help, we can help you trimester to uh, have a, an, a donor egg transfer, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. which is still important actually. Oh, yeah. Because, because remember epigenetic change happens through the, impact of the external environment on the internal environment. So even if you're not the one supplying the DNA for the baby, mm-hmm. you still provide the environment that that affects the expression mm-hmm. of genes, the suppression and activation of genes. Mm-hmm. So that is still relevant, even mm. if, if you're using an egg donor or a sperm donor, or if you're using a surrogate or a gestational carrier, you want them to trimester as well and know about these things. Yeah. So, so that's really important. So if somebody is already in completely across the threshold into menopause, we, we, we can probably not help them have a baby with their own, their own eggs. Mm-hmm. It's not 100% out of the question, but the chances would be Our very, son. very small. Mm. We do get lots of people in perimenopause and perimenopause is what we call in science, a critical developmental phase, meaning that there's even more malleability in this mm. phase than in other parts of the lifespan. The trimester is one of those as well. 
in you the in utero uh, period is one of those as well early childhood especially up until the age of three is one of those as well puberty is one of those as well and then of course perimenopause and so when if we can catch people early enough in perimenopause it is possible that we can help them back out of that to some degree so that they can conceive. And we do have examples of that. I'm not saying that that's an easy path. I would sure. much rather have people come and trimester with us well in advance of that situation where it is an uphill battle, but mm -hmm. it is still possible and we have still seen it. So we are always, while keeping our feet planted on the ground, you know, being very clear about expectations and probabilities and all of that, not being ruled by the normal curve, because guess what? There are always going to be people in the tail. There are always going yep. to be outliers. And so we are always trying to push the boundaries of what is believed to be possible for human reproduction. And so we, when, when we saw potential in this 49 year old who, by the way, has a husband who's in his sixties, like 65. And You're I, like, let's do this thing. Yeah, I love it. Let's try it. Let's try it. Let's, <laughs> yeah. see if we can, let's see if we can make it happen. And it's just like my husband's a big sports and fitness person. Mm -hmm. And he, he always talks about how when records get set in sports that it, at the time that the records are being set, you think it's not possible, not possible. Mm -hmm. right, for somebody to run any faster, to jump any higher, mm -hmm. to swim any faster. And then somebody comes along and shows that it is humanly mm -hmm. possible. And we, we do the same thing with fertility. It's so beautiful because it really is true that, you know, part of living is to push past the boundaries and, yes. you know, the beliefs that we have and our capabilities, whether, you know, and that is even biologically. So many people think biologically things are set, but as you're saying, you know, so much of what we believe biologically isn't even necessarily true or isn't true for everyone. And there's right. just, there's so much, um, space that we can work with if we sort of, you know, I mean, so much of it to me, it's like, come back to our, our health, right? We come back to, we come back inside and, and work from our gut and work from these places and it just can change everything that you didn't even think was possible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So much. I love that. I was, I was talking with one of my clients, Danica Brysha, and I, I say her name because she's very public about working with me where mm. we hold confidentiality to an extreme degree. Mm -hmm. uh, and she, you know, she, she said you, you, and she does work in self-care and self-care society is her, is her company. But she said, just like I do, you teach people to come back to themselves mm -hmm. And kind of like what you were saying. And mm -hmm. I remember a, a woman who we helped have her baby at 45 and she got pregnant on the first try. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. It was, it, and she had had some very, very challenging experiences mm -hmm. up and up until she came to us. Uh, and, and actually she just texted me and said that she's thinking about going for another baby when she's like, can I do it at 48 <laughs> or whatever? I'm so excited. So we'll, so we'll see, but uh, she said, she said, you help us tap into our own innate fertility. Like it's already there with yeah. you. It's yeah. not outside of you. You don't have to rely on somebody else to give it to you mm. or make it possible for mm -hmm. you. 
And I think that that is so, so important, just like you were saying, you know, yeah. working from the inside out. Ah, so good. There's so many more questions that I could ask you, but I know we're running low on time. So how can people get in touch with you? So one of the best ways is to go to the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute website. It's fertilitypregnancy.org. And I would start with an incredible resource that we have there. It's free. It's mm -hmm. called the Fertility Checklist, the Ultimate Fertility Checklist, because mm -hmm. it is the Ultimate Fertility <laughs> Checklist. It has things that you've never known before about your fertility. And I highly recommend going there and getting it, whether you're 10 years out from having your baby or you wanted your baby 10 years mm -hmm. ago, and even up until till perimenopause, there, there is some information that would be valuable just in terms of mental and physical health and longevity, even if you already are uh, have gone through menopause. Because remember, all of the things that we do in service of fertility is also contributing to our longevity. Absolutely. I, yeah, can't, can't put enough of a fine point on that. So, mm -hmm. you know, anybody who's listening, whether you're wanting a baby or not, it all comes back to, you know, taking care of your body in ways that you will be so grateful for in the long term, you know, and yeah. especially, you know, I can, I can speak from that movement into perimenopause in my life and, you know, this, this phase of life and um, it doesn't have to be as horrible as everybody says it is. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, totally. And, and, you know, Danica and also another client who speaks openly, so I can say her name, Shanda mm -hmm. Sumter. It, both of them say, let's just, just do this for longevity for people, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. everybody should know about this. They, you mm -hmm. know, they think that it's not for them if they're not trying to have a baby, but you really need to be teaching them about epigenetics and their longevity. Yes. And it, it, they really are so intimately tied to one another. Love it. Mm -hmm. And you're also on social media on yes. Instagram, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm not particularly strategic on Instagram, so I don't <laughs> have any pretty like themes or anything people, but uh, okay. want to come and learn and then also see some awesome photos of my super babies and videos of them dancing. Uh, I met Dr. Underscore Cleopatra on Instagram. We have a, a Facebook page for the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute as well. Great. Those will be in the notes so people okay. can click right on there and follow you and learn all kinds of more information. I mean, it was great what we covered today, but I know you're just a plethora of so much information. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, it's been so fun. I've really been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, you guys, I'll see you next time.